0: God, um, thank you for tonight, and thank you for Kendrick and Gina and Jess, and thank you for First Baptist La Plata. Um, We're totally dependent on you, God. I'm totally dependent on you um, to speak your word, and we're totally dependent on you for our hearts to be changed and to understand it. So I just pray that you would open our eyes and um, help us to be more like you at the end of today, God. Help us to see your word for how great it is, and see you for how great you are. We love you. Um, Thank you for all you've done for us, especially for sending your Son to die for us. Amen. Cool. So, Jonah chapter 2. You guys remember last week, I'm sure, and you know the story. Jonah denied um, doing what God said, and he ran, and uh, the sailors realized... um, that the storm came upon them because of Jonah. And so they cast him him into the sea, out of the boat. So that's where we are now. Um, Let's start in chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet shall again again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord God. what I want you guys to get from tonight, what I want us to understand, what I want my heart to understand is that um, God loves us. He loves us so much. I mean, there's really two ways you could take this passage um, and this big idea. The idea that God sent the storm to Jonah, right? God sent the storm and and Jonah says that. He says it's God's waves and God cast him out to the deep. And um, it says in chapter 1 that God appointed the storm. And so... A lot of people reading um, the Bible and when things like this in their life, when a storm comes in their life, something bad happens, um, they say, how could a loving God um, let pain come into my life? How could a loving God send this storm into my life? And so they think that God is cruel um, because he, 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 he allows this or He causes it. Um, but I want you to know it's not the case, like God loves you so much, and so That's the two ways we can look at it. We can look at it like God is cruel or whether like God is loving. Um, And so, let's talk about that. That's what I'm gonna talk about. And um, where I want us to go is Deuteronomy 30 really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, And I just want you to know that um, it's not cruel for God to say, Jonah, I would like you to do this. Go to Nineveh. And when, and when Jonah doesn't go, God sends a storm. And it's not because God's a bully, because when someone doesn't do what, what he says, he gets angry, and so he lashes out because he's stronger. That's not the case. God isn't a bully. Um, he loves us. In Deuteronomy 30, um, verse 15, See, I have set before you today life and death, good and evil, If you obey the commands of the Lord that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking his ways and keeping his commands and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering in to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live." And so, people think the God of the Old Testament seems harsh and they think that it would seem harsh to say, for God to say, do this. And if it, if it doesn't happen, um, bad things are gonna happen. But what, he, what he's really saying is um, that it's not just God arbitrarily saying, do this and do that, and he's just randomly making it up. He's saying, I'm asking you to choose life. Life and and death, and good and evil are are the same thing. And he's saying, run into life. I gave you these commands that you might live. And and what results when you don't follow these is death. And it's not that God is um, angry and that he, he just wants us to do what he says just because he wants us to do it because it's for our good. It's for bringing life about. And so what sin is, you could call sin just choosing to run after something that brings death. And that's what the Garden of Eden was, right? Like God warned them, don't, don't eat the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you will surely die. And he's saying sin, to choose sin is to choose to run in to death. And what results is, in their case, you know, eventually physical death. We all die physically, but also spiritually and inwardly we die. And so, was it loving for God to send a storm um, to Jonah? How does that make sense? How does it make sense that God would send something that brings about you know, pain in his life, but ultimately it's loving? Well, Jonah was running from God, right? And the text, um, if you want to go back to Jonah, if you kept your finger there, sorry about that, I should have warned you, um, is always talking about it in this way. He's, he, uh, he keeps saying, going down. Um, and going into the deep. And throughout the first chapter, he says this, he's going down to Taksha, he's going down into the ship, and he's going down into the, chapter two, down into the deep of the waters. And it's this image, and he says Sheol, which means like the grave or hell. And he's saying he's just descending closer and closer to, you know, death and destruction. And that's what sin is, right? It's choosing death instead of life. And so, Look what he says in verses eight and nine. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so he's saying um, that those who follow, who give honor to idols, they're forsaking their hope of steadfast love. And now an idol um, is what you value m- God, your God is what you value most. And when that isn't the real God, it's an idol. And one way to know what you value most, um, there's a famous bishop, and I can't remember who it was, old, Jess couldn't remember either, old um, bishop said that what you, what your God is, is what you do in your secret time, when you, what you do when, in your solitude. When you don't have anything else to do and you're all alone, what is it that you do And whatever it is shows what you value most, and that would be your God. Or if it's not um, God that you value most, what would be your idol? And so Jonah had an idol, right? Because he valued something more than God because he didn't follow God. And so one way to look at it is is if you value something more than God, it's something that you've got in your hand, right? And and you've closed your hand on it and you said, this is non-negotiable. I want this more than anything else, God. Don't take this from me. Don't take this from me because I want this. And, and no matter what, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it as, as much as possible, even if, um, even if it means I value it more than God. And so, would you want a God who knew that you holding on to this thing, to, to for, it's, you're honoring an idol, right? You, you love it more than God, and God knows that that leads to death leads to death in your heart um, because anything other than God can't satisfy you Um, if it's it's money money can't love you and if it's a person no person can save you Um, and so you're really running to something that's never going to fill what you need in your heart and so that leads to death and so would you want a God that knew you were running towards death and just let you go no, you wouldn't. He, it's just like a parent who let their kid run in the street. You want them, even if, even if they had to say, um, give you a slap on the wrist as a kid. You're, when you're older, you're thankful because that saved you from hurt. And that's the same with God. That if God sends the storm to Jonah to get him to turn and turn back to God to release his hand on whatever it is that he's valuing more than God, that's loving. And. That's not what the world, most of the people in the world want. They want God, just to let them have whatever they want. Just, God, what I want most is, is money, is success, is a girlfriend, is a boyfriend, whatever. Um, and just give that to me. But what God says is that's not for your good. And in Romans, actually, chapter 1, it says that that's God's wrath. God's wrath is just letting you chase these things that are never going to satisfy. And so. What we're begging for in our hearts is for us to love something other than God. And that's that's not what we want in reality. We want what's best for us and that's what God wants too. And that's why He sent the storm into Jonah's life. And like I said, you know, it's just like a parent. And that's what the Bible compares it to in Hebrews. It says that God is like a parent and that in the moment it may not feel good, you know to have your fingers pried off of that, whatever it is you shouldn't be holding on to. But later on, you'll appreciate it because it, it turns you back to God. And it says the same thing. that, As a child, when, when a father disciplines them, it isn't pleasant, but when they're older, they, they, they love the Father. And that's the same with God. And so, again, the question is, I'm going to play us a song. Uh, a piece of a song, Um, but the question is, when we see storms coming into our life, when something difficult comes into our life, do we see it as God loves us, or as he's a cruel God, and this is the song, How He Loves Us, Um, but there's a verse of it that we never sing, um, because it's not really a worship verse, but I'm listening closely to the words, because it really has to do with what we're talking about. It's not. So, could you guys catch the words that he was saying there? So, the backstory is this guy's name is John Mark McMillan, who wrote this song. Um, it's called How He Loves, I don't know if you guys noticed that. But um, his best friend Stephen um, died when, um, when he was in his 20s, and um, his friend Stephen was a youth minister, actually. And... He was at a prayer meeting and um, he actually prayed this, um, I'd give my life today if it would shake the youth of the nation. And um, that night he was in his car on his way home and um, there was a like multiple car pile up, like a big nasty wreck and, um, and he, was, he, was, he got into the wreck. And um, his friend, his best friend, this guy John was actually down in Florida at the time recording um, and recording an album. And he got a call that said, you know, you're Steven, which is his best friend. Um, he's been in a wreck um, and we'll call you back when we know more. And later that night, his dad called him, John's dad, and he said, you know, um, Stephen died in, in the car wreck. And um, the next day he wrote this song, How He Loves Us, um, about his friend. Um, and about God talking to God, and so the words that he said, um, it's different than the whole other song. He's that other song he's singing, and it's clearly worship. But this, um, he's kind of whispering. He can't really talk um, loudly because his throat is is clenched. You know, with emotion. You know, when you get you get so worked up, and, and your throat just tightens up, and you can hear that in his voice, right? And he can hardly talk. He's kind of whispering, and he says. Well I thought about you the day Stephen died and you met me between my breaking and I know that I still love you, God, despite the agony. And on that word agony, his voice kinda breaks, you know, like like almost like he's about to break into sobs. And he kinda, you know, you know, sucks up some snot because he's getting ready to cry, and his voice is shaking, you know, about to break into sobs, and he says, The people they want to tell me you're cruel. But if Stephen could sing, he'd say it's not true and his voice just kind of breaks and then he starts singing, you know, how he loves us, how God loves us. And um, when something bad in our life, you know, these bad, these storms happen, right? Something comes into our life and something is threatened. Maybe we lose a parent or we lose our job or we lose our health, something bad happens. Um, Maybe it's just we do something stupid and we lose our dignity, you know? And we can look at it, look at that storm that came into our life, and we can say, God, how could you let me lose my mom? Or how could you let me lose um, my dignity or my job or my whatever it is that values so much? How could you let me lose that and still love me, God? And you can say that, and you can either think that God is cruel, that he doesn't love you, and that what you're valuing most is that thing, right? Right? You're valuing that thing, and you're holding it. You're grasping it in your hand, and you won't let go of it. And you say, that's what means most to me, God. If you love me, you wouldn't let that go. You wouldn't let me lose it. And whatever that thing is in our hand that's not God, it's leading to death inwardly. Because it can't satisfy us. You know, money, cars, you know, physical things in a hundred years are all going to be in a junkyard. They're not going to matter. But... But 200, 300, 400 years from now, we're going to still be with God if we, if we value Him and we trust Him. And so that's the first way, is just to keep holding on to that thing. To keep our fists clenched around it, and to, and to see God as cruel. Or, the second way, is to see how much God loves us and say, God, you know, you may take away my mom, you may take away my job, you may take away my um, friends, you may take away whatever it is, um, but you gave me the one thing that matters most, God and that's um, that's you. You gave me yourself. And you see that it is loving if if something bad happens that that if God has to pry our fingers off that thing we value too much, it's worth it because it points us back to him. And so the other option is, is like Jonah says you know, in verse 9 that with the voice of thanksgiving I'll sacrifice to you. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So the other option is, is to just say with thanksgiving I'll sacrifice to God. You know, my hand is open, God. And that, that storm that comes into your life is an opportunity to keep your hand open whatever it is that means so much to you. It's not wrong to value it. But it is wrong to value it more than God, and it's an opportunity to give, keep that hand open, and maybe it might be with tears and with sobs. Um, you say, "God, I'm letting it go. You mean more." But that's a gift. It's a gift to be able to press into God in that way and, and run and cling to Him and say, "God, I, this is going to be hard, but I need you, I need you to hold me up here, because it's going to be tough. So my hope is... Because these things are going to happen. If you trust in Christ, and even if you don't, these storms are going to happen in your life. And my hope is like John Mark McMillan or Jonah or all the saints, everyone has lost something throughout their lifetime that meant something to them. I hope, my hope is that you can say with them, I still love You, God, despite the agony and press into God rather than l- l- letting it jade your view of Him. And so in the midst of the storm, Jonah said to the sailors, there's only one thing we can do. If I die, you're going to live. So cast me out. Throw me overboard. And they threw him into the sea. And Jesus is the truer and better Jonah. And He said, there's only one thing to do. If I die, you'll live. And so he was cast out. He was cast out of God's presence. And the storm came over Jonah, and he was he sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Um, but it was just a physical storm. But the ultimate storm came over Jesus—the storm of sin and death and pain, and all the things that we deserved. Um, it swept over him. And Jonah spent three days in the bottom of the sea under an ocean. Uh, but Jesus spent three days under an ocean of sin that we deserved. And Jonah three days later came back alive, but Jesus he came back um, alive and what it meant for each one of us is that He saved us. Jonah saved a ship full of men and Jesus saved every single person um, that died and trusted Him for all eternity. And if you know that, if you got that in your heart, you know that Jesus took on that, um, that storm for you, the worst storm Worse than anything else we we're ever gonna we we're ever gonna face, um, he took it on for us. When when another smaller storm comes, you're not gonna ask, God, don't you care? Because we know he does. Because he he took on the worst thing possible in our place, and he gave us the best gift possible himself. And so, if that gets into our heart and we really internalize it, um, and it it's totally dependent on God. We've got to ask Him to do that, to burn it onto our heart. Um, if it gets in there, when those storms come, we're going to know that He loves us and that no matter what, He's out for our good. And, and someday, Jesus is going to come back and there won't be any more storms. That it's, He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. And if, if it gets in here, if it gets in your heart, um, and then when those storms come, we're going to have the power to handle it, and with an open hand, we're going to say, "God, I give everything to you because you gave everything for me." And so let's just think about what that is in our life, and even if we don't have it, just to pray, God, write that on my heart right now so that when this comes, we can trust in him." And so let's just pray and um and we'll just pray silently for a little bit and then just we close this prayer.